All right, we're starting a new series called Colliding Worlds. Is anybody married in this place? If you're married, how about lifting your hand? You're married. How many remember when your worlds collided? The very first time when you looked into one another's eyes and you saw each other. How many remember that moment? Uh, in fact, years ago, uh, we called Shout Conference a beautiful collision. I pray that was a beautiful collision. It wasn't a painful collision. It was a beautiful collision. And I'm praying during the series that we'd collide with God's purpose. We'd collide with God's destiny. And something beautiful would come from each and every one of our lives. Well, it was some years ago, uh, uh, a guy by the name of Francis Frangipani, there's a name for you, came through. I was a teenager at the time, and he prophesied into our church. And he said, this church needs to be good at deliverance. Because God is going to send a whole lot of people your way who's, who are going to get saved, who are going to have a revelation of Jesus, but they're going to be carrying stuff from their past that could hinder them entering their future. You know, when it comes to our Christian life, we're being delivered from Egypt. That's like we're being saved. But God has a promised land for us to, to live in, to enter into a promise uh, the fact of the matter is right now, there's a whole lot of Christians who live in the wilderness simply because they're out of Egypt, but Egypt isn't out of them. And so this season, I'm re- in this series, should I say, I'm believing that there's going to be a collision, a God collision in your life that's going to take you into God's promise. How many can believe that with me? And I like the scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, We are human. Who's sitting next to a human? A few people. I don't know who the rest of us are sitting next to. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds, that, that were strongholds in the Aramaic, uh, it actually means rebellious castles or demonic strongholds or, or centers of opposition uh, against the light of the gospel. How many know right now there's many centers of opposition against the gospel? There's rebellious castles that are being built. Uh, we knock down those strongholds of human reasoning, And to destroy false arguments, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Right now, we would live in revival if we could remove those obstacles that are hindering people knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey God. How many know right now we're in a fight? I don't know if you know it, we're in a fight. And I really believe there's a collision in the world. There's a collision with light and darkness. We're living in a time and in a season where we need to be awake to what's going on in the world. You know, I believe the day of Jesus' coming back is coming closer. And, and we've just got to look around at what's going on in the world to understand, to actually know that something's taking place. And there's worlds that are colliding. And, and in some places, things aren't going to get better. I know people are going, man, I can't wait till things get better. But I, I reckon in some places, things are going to get worse. But we don't need to fear because when things get dark, how many know the light shines brighter? And I'm really believing in this season we're going to experience a God revival. 
In fact, leading up to Shout, I believe God's got something special that He wants to do at Shout. If you're not registered for it, I really encourage you to register today. But I believe there's going to be an unlocking in the Spirit that's going to release a revival in our nation. Come on, how many can believe God for that? Come on, if you're believing God, let's give Him a big clap of praise. But here's what I want to get to. The answers that we need don't come from human origins. The founding God. And in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to expose the enemy's plan. I can't tell you how important it is you're here today. Uh, the enemy would have done everything in his power to keep you from coming because he, he, he doesn't want to get caught. Now in the Bible, if a thief gets caught, they have to restore sevenfold what was taken from them. And I really believe in our exposing of the enemy's plan, the thief is going to get caught and he's going to have to return. See, the enemy doesn't want to get caught. But here's the deal. Most believers today aren't actually free because they simply don't believe they can be in bondage. And until we're free, here's the deal. We can't bring revival to our world. If you've got your Bible, let's go to Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5. I want to read a story from there, a good chunk of Scripture. Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in a region called the Gennesarenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he, he was put in chains and shackles, as he of... As he of 10, he was slapped. He, I'll say that again. Whenever he was put into chains and shackled, as he often was, he snapped. It was separated. Often was of and 10. And I'm going like, that's not separated there. As he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting themselves with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me? In other words, there was a colliding of worlds. Jesus, Son of the Most High, God, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there's many of us inside, many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send him to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us to those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man, entered the pigs, an entire herd, an entire herd of pigs, about 2,000, plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. As they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. The crowd, the crowd soon gathered. Around Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, or some versions say, in his right mind. And they were all afraid. And those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. 
And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had the demons, uh, demon possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone, everyone was amazed at what he told them. Uh, Here's a crazy man who has an encounter with God, a crazy man who gets free. This community didn't know how to deal with him, so what did they do? They isolated him and restrained him. Isn't that interesting today? There's many problems that people face, and what we do is we isolate them and we restrain them. This well right now has no answers for what's going on. A lot of people are trying to figure out things in their mind. And Jesus is the one who came along and brought an answer. First of all, he had to deal with a natural storm. The Bible talks about that he told the disciples to get in the boat and cross over to the other side. As they were crossing over to the other side, a storm arose. A storm arose and it freaked the disciples out. Jesus, where was he? He was asleep in the front of the boat. He was asleep and and the disciples were so freaked out, they woke Jesus up and said, don't you care? I wanna say one thing is God is not asleep to your problems. Yeah, Jesus was asleep, but Christ was awake. And one thing you can be assured of, whatever you're going through today, Jesus is awake to your problems. And he spoke to the storm and he says, peace, be still. He had authority over a natural storm. But as soon as he crossed over to the other side, what happened is he faced a spiritual storm. This man ran to him. And here are some numbers just to put in context what went on. Now, in this man was a, a legion, a legion of demons. Now, according to the Romans, a legion represents 6,826 soldiers. So in this one man was 6,826 demons. How many know this guy had problems? He was moving into a region called the Decapolis, which represented 10 seasons. It was the Gadareans, it's Damascus, Philadelphia. And what these cities were, they were not Jewish cities, they were Greek cities. They were Greek cities. And and these Greek cities had had removed themselves from the Jews because they didn't want to be influenced by religious fanatics. They didn't want anybody converting them to their religion. And so when the Romans took over, they said, we want some autonomy. And in this society, in the the 10 cities, humanism was rampant. The human mind was elevated. Everybody, you know, would would elevate their mind. The mind knows truth. How many know we live in a society today where where everything is is in our mind? If we can't uh, explain it, if we don't understand it, we dismiss it. And and in the society, that's what it was. And, And what they had done is they removed God. From every element of society. We're living in a time right now where, where God is trying to be removed from every place in society. And we're living in a very vulnerable place. And, and I like what First Timothy chapter 4 says. And First Timothy chapter 4 says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly. And so he tells us clearly this. That in the last times, how many know we're living in the last days? Some of you don't know that. You just need to look around. You need to read your Bible and see that the signs are all there. 
we're living in the last days. It says that the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Oh, this is getting a little bit heavy right now. But that's what happens when we lock everything up in our minds. Now, I really believe God wants to bring revival. I really believe there's going to be a, a colliding of worlds. And one thing you can be assured is the kingdom of God is superior to every other kingdom. And I believe we need to position ourselves for revival. And so the first thought I want to give you today is there's no place that Jesus can't bring revival to. There's no place that Jesus can't bring revival to. This guy, the place he was in, he was demonized, but he gets set free. How awesome is that? But what you've got to realize is there really are demons. In fact, the word demon appears 82 times in the Bible, 61 of those times in the Gospels. If you look at Jesus' life, he was talking about demons, he was dealing with demons, and he was casting out demons. And one of the reasons I, I believe it's a lot in the Gospels is because nobody up to that time had authority like he did over demons. And, and when he immediately came into contact with demonic strongholds, there was a reaction. See, when worlds collide, there's a reaction. There's a reaction that takes place. Now, now we're going to unpack this a little bit. You know, some of you are a little bit tense. Oh, he's talking about demons. This is going to be really intense. But I want to say this is going to be really helpful. Okay, what demons are simply is the fallen angels. When Satan was cast out of hell, when Lucifer was cast out of hell, the Bible says that one third of the angels went with him. One third went with him. Get this. You know, for everyone that's against me, there's two that are for me. You know, we outnumber the enemy two to one. You should be encouraged by that. Now, now a lot of people uh, freak out when you talk about this simply because they watch too many horror movies or they've been to Frighteners or something like that. But demons aren't something as believers that we need to be afraid of. Here, here's the thing. When Satan was cast out of heaven, God didn't even cast him out himself. He sends an angel, one angel to do it. It's like he goes to Gabe, that's enough, that's enough. Let's get rid of this guy. And Gabe goes, well, who do you want me to get to do it? And he goes, oh, get the new guy. The new guy, he's good enough. Just make sure he says, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and he's gone. So what we're going to understand is demons actually come from fallen angels. And what they are is they're disembodied spirits. So they're looking for a body. They enter bodies. They inhabit bodies. They were in the, what? They were in the body of this man. They weren't in his soul. They weren't in his spirit. They were in his body. And, and when Jesus cast them out, they said, let us go into the pigs. Why? Because they needed a body. That backs up the whole theory that animals can be demon-possessed. I know some of you got some. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. There, there, there's demons, no doubt. Otherwise, we'd have to cut out a lot of the Bible and a lot of Jesus' ministry. I quickly want to go through some scriptures. Matthew 18, verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were sick. Why would the Bible say he cast them out if they weren't there? 
Matthew 9, verse 32, it says, As they went about, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, I, it's, It was never seen like this in Israel. Matthew 7, verse 18, says, And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured that very hour. Mark chapter 3, verse 14, And he appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach the gospel. And, and to do this, to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Mark chapter 6, verse 12, it says, So they went, away, went out, preached that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with all many who were sick and healed them. Mark 16, 17, And these signs will follow those who believe. Anybody believe today? Come on, these are the signs that will follow those who believe. It says they will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues. That, that's what will follow those who believe. Now, I like how C.S. Lewis puts it. C.S. Lewis says there's two groups of people that Satan loves and gets excited over. Two groups. It's the skeptic and the superstitious. The, the, the superstitious are the ones who think there's a demon behind every bush. And they blame everything on them. Oh, it's a demon. And then the skeptic are the people who think demons don't exist. They don't exist today. They were just for Jesus' time. And C.S. Lewis says Satan loves both, the skeptic and the superstitious, because they're both in bondage and they're both in deception. And some of you are nervous today because we're talking about demons. Do we have to talk about that stuff? Others of us here are going, man, this is awesome. He's getting into the good stuff right now. Listen, if you're in either one of those camps, you need to move into the middle. We're not skeptics and we're not superstitious. We don't deny them, but we don't see them as the root cause of every problem. You know, it's a great way to get off the hook, but it's not true. And Jesus, get this, Jesus came to set us free. And you'll never be free if you don't know that you can be bound. You'll never be free if you don't know you're in trouble. It's like Jack Hayford said. He said, you can't cast out the flesh, but also you can't disciple a demon. In other words, a lot of people today say, well, it's the flesh, it's the flesh. You just need to overcome the flesh and you need to be more disciplined. In some cases, we do need to apply discipline. We need to suck it up and, and discipline ourselves. But then there's others who would say, well, no, you've got a demon. The reason why you can't do this or you can't do that is because you have a demon. And they think deliverance is the answer for everything. And they're blaming the devil for stuff that he didn't even do. So the devil's down there going, I didn't even do that, but I'll take credit for it. So the question we need to ask is, when we hit a ceiling in life, the question we need to ask is, is it deliverance or discipleship? Is it deliverance or discipleship? And the answer to that question is yes. Yes, it's both. You can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. Are you, saying, some of you going, are you saying that I can be saved and have a demon? Yep. You know it by what you can't stop thinking about. Come on, it's those irrational fears. It's those crazy thoughts. It can be habitual sin. 
It's that ceiling that you hit over and over again. It's, it's elements of sickness, or it even could be accidents that happen, freakish accidents that are just like, how did that happen? Come on, I, I want to give you help this morning, and I want you to know that you can be free. You can be free. Don't get upset at me telling you that you might have a problem in this area. Because second thought is, there's no power that Jesus can't bring revival to. Come on, there's no power. There's no place that Jesus can't bring revival to. And there's no power that Jesus can't be revival to. Here's the deal. The only people who can't get free are those who won't admit that they actually need freedom. The ones who don't recognize they're oppressed. And the Bible explicitly says the two purposes for Jesus' ministry The two purposes, Luke 19 says his purpose is to seek and save that which is lost. And 1 John chapter 3 was his second purpose for his ministry is to destroy the works of the devil. Question, do demons enter people? Yeah. Let's go to John 10. John 10 quickly. Uh, Follow with me. Here here it goes. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door but climbs in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. This is how the enemy enters. Here's what he's saying. He's saying the thief can enter in, but he can't come through me. He's got to come in a side door. He's got to get in some other way. Big question a lot of people ask is, can a Christian be demon-possessed? Well, to answer that, we need to go back to the original language. In fact, that word demon-possessed comes from two Greek words, which means, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right, demoni zomai, demoni zomai. Demoni simply means demon, but zomai actually means to possess. Now, in the English, to possess means that you have ownership over. It means to own something. But, But zomai in the Greek means to gain control over. It means to have power over. In fact, Jesus used this word in Luke where he says, be patient by your patience, possess your souls. Now, what he wasn't saying is you need to own your souls. Your your souls already belong to God. Rather, he was saying you need to gain control over your souls. So so the phrase, you know, even when you hear demon possessed, that can be really loaded these days because of all the horror movies that were watched. You know, it's a lot of demon possessed. It can be loaded with a whole lot of connotations. But it's helpful to think of demon possession as demons having, gaining influence over people. In areas like lust, you know, it's like lust, you you can't control it. It has influence over you, unforgiveness, bitterness, gluttony. So, so, So the question is, can a Christian be owned by a demon? No. We're owned by God. But can a Christian be controlled by a demon? Yes. Uh, Let me ask you this question. Is there any area in your life right now that you're struggling to get victory in? Is there any area in your life where you feel helpless and, and powerless? Is there area in your life where you've confessed over and over and over and over and over and over? I don't have enough time to keep saying over. But, but you, you confess it over again, but you keep on doing it. How can I say this nicely? Wake up! You're in bondage. Oh, people say, oh, well, you know, I just have a weakness in that area. No, you had it for 20 years. It's not a weakness. 
And listen, I'm not giving you bad news. I'm giving you good news today. You're under it, but I know somebody who can set you free. And you can be set free today. Uh, just here's the thing. Let's say you came to church. You came to church today and you left the door unlocked or you left a window open. And a thief goes into your house. Does the thief own your house? No. But guess what? He's in your house. Oh, no. He's in there, and while he's in there, he has control over your house until you arrest him, put handcuffs on him, and take him out. And until that time, what he'll do is he will, he, he will destroy what's in there. He's out there to steal, steal. There's the enemy's role. Steal, kill, and destroy while he's in your house. It works like this. You know, if, if a man who's a believer drinks a whole lot of alcohol or takes illegal drugs into his body, a lot of them, and, and then does something, do, do the drugs own that person? No, they don't own him. He's still owned by God. But are they in him? Yes. Is he under the influence of their power? Yes. And here's what happens. While he's under the influence of their power, he will often do stuff that's out of his character. You know, how many drunk people have been, man, you know, they did something they regretted later and it was totally out of their character because they're under the influence of something else. Or just say, a Christian begins to look at pornography. What happens? What are you doing there? You're opening the door to the enemy and he'll come in. It's not harmless stuff. Oh, it's harmless. No, no, you're opening the door to the enemy. It will not own you, but you'll come under its influence, under its power. And unless is dealt with, you'll end up doing stuff that's totally out of character. That's why people find themselves in places they thought they'd never be, is because they left the window open. They left the door open. The enemy came in. And now he has control and he has power over. Which brings me to my third thought, is there's no person that Jesus can't bring revival to. There's no place, there's no power, but there's no person that Jesus can't bring revival to. I believe God wants to bring revival to many people's lives. If we're to see a revival, it's not just us working out how we're doing our life and trying to work it out in our own flesh, in our own mind. Come on, we need the Spirit of God. And we need a whole lot of people commissioned by the Spirit of God who are freeing themselves to bring freedom to other people's lives. In Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sent out the 70, he sent out the 70. It says in verse 17, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by in any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Come on, how many are glad right now that their names are written in heaven? I really believe God deserves a big clap of praise for that. Come on, a big clap of, that our names are written in heaven. But I want you right now to focus next verse, verse 21. It says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things, these things. What are these things? I'll explain in a moment. But he's hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and he's revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed, for so it seemed good in your sight. These things. What's he talking about? If you go back, 
He's talking about authority over demons. He's hidden them from what? The smart people. The people are so smart they don't even believe in demons. He's, he's hidden them. The young, the babes, the little, they believe. Yeah, so you won't cast out demons? What are you going to do? Leave them in there? You only got two choices. You either cast them out or you leave them there. You might be starting to think, oh no, I've, I've got a problem in the nearing. And you go, well, I don't want to feel bad about this. Here's the thing. The enemy likes to focus on our weakness and our history. Today, you can't be free. Some of us have accepted things and, oh, well, it's just part of my personality. No, it's not you. The enemy would like you to think it's you, but there's nothing wrong with you. It's just what's on your shoulder. It's a cockroach on your shoulder. You need to deal with a cockroach on your shoulder, but the enemy will come and persecute. It's you, it's you, it's you. It's not you. There's nothing wrong with you. Oh, you're filthy. You're worthless. You can never overcome that. Nothing wrong with you. It's just what's been attached to your life. And the good news is you can get freedom. And the devil goes, oh, you've got a big problem. You know, other people can get free, but you can't get free. Now, let's go back to Mark chapter 5. Now, this dude had a problem. He was demonized. He was naked. And he was in a cemetery. None of you are as bad as this guy. None of you. You've all got your clothes on, for starters. Come on, I, I, I want to give you hope. When he saw Jesus, get this, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Here's the deal. Satan does not have the power to stop you coming to Jesus. He does not have the power to stop you coming from Jesus. If he could have stopped anyone, he could have stopped this guy. So, so if you're in bondage, if you have a difficulty in your life, if you have a weakness, if you have an area of sin... You can't stop, you can't break, and you're under the influence. Here's the deal. Jesus can set you free. Where's the area right now that you need freedom in? Because what this guy did is he ran and he worshiped. And this word worship actually means to bow down. The, the only people who can't get free are the people who won't humble themselves. They're trying to work it out themselves, work it out in their own mind. They're the only people who can't get free. But if you come in humility and say, God, I need you right now. Come on, he has authority. He's given us authority over all the enemy's power. And we don't need to tolerate. We don't need to accept what we've been living under the influence of. Come on, God has a promised land for you to enter. Don't be a Christian who just wanders around the wilderness. Come on, I'm praying that we'll be a church that enters our promise. And we need to declare that the scepter of wickedness will not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. Come on, we need to declare this for our city, for our nation, and for nations of the world, because the enemy right now is, is, is attacking many people's lives. But I believe a church is rising up and saying, we're not going to just sit back and watch this happen. Come on, the statistics aren't changing. There's all the earth, human strategies out there, but the statistics are getting worse. But you and I carry answers from heaven. We're humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. Come on, we have uh, powerful weapons in God. They're mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds. And right now, there's many rebellious castles that are set up, saying, we don't need God. Take God out of schools. Take God out of every area, and think, people think it will go all right. 
Now it's proven over history. When you remove God, you're opening yourself up to a whole n- another world. And I believe God is wanting to raise up a people, a group of people who have been set free, who can go out and set other people free. Which brings me to my last point is there's no person that God can't use. There's no person that God can't use. Turn to your neighbor and say, He wants to use you. He wants to use your story. He wants to use your testimony of breakthrough to influence others. This guy, this demoniac, gets set free. We read the story in in Mark Mark chapter five. He wants to go to be with Jesus and Jesus says, no, you can't come with me. You need to go back and tell people what God's done in your life. In fact, the people of that region were, no, we don't want anything to do with you, Jesus. Because they, they realized, man, Jesus, they lost 2,000 pigs. They were more concerned with the pigs than the person. They were more concerned with their livelihood. It's amazing how many people today are more concerned with their livelihood than the people around them. And, and here, the people didn't want to, uh, freaked out. They sent Jesus away. The guy who had been set free wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus sent him back home. Now, if we go into Mark chapter 7, we find Jesus re-enters this region. And the response is totally different. People are welcoming them. In fact, the Bible says for three days they were with Jesus. And they didn't want to depart. They, they wanted to be with him so much that, that they didn't even eat. And Jesus looked upon them, and in Mark chapter 8, He had compassion upon them, and He fed them. And in the story of not the feeding of the 5,000, that's a different miracle, He did the feeding of the 4,000. 4,000. Commentators would say that He fed over eight, between eight to 12,000 people in one moment. Now, just with, with something small. But, but it's strange. The people who didn't want anything to do with Him were suddenly like, they're welcoming what brought about the turnaround? Yeah, from no, go away. We don't want anything to do with you two. Man, we'll even starve. We'll even starve to be close to you. We're prepared. What's your, the only thing I can put it down to is this guy who went back home and went around those 10 cities and began to tell people what Jesus had done in his life. That brought about a revival in 10 cities. You know, I wonder if we'd get set free, what would happen to the people in our worlds if we just started telling people of what God had done in their life? The problem with many Christians is God hasn't done anything for 10 years. I really believe God wants to bring people into a new level of freedom. Come on, we need to see a revival. You know, the fact is, the, the world's probably not going to get any better soon, but I believe God wants to raise up a church that shines the light of God into every dark space. Come on, God wants to bring hope. God wants to bring change. And it's not just going to happen by us sitting and praying. It's by us saying, God, I, I can't do this without you. I need you. Come on, I really believe God wants to wake some people up today. Because some of you are engaging with stuff and you think it's harmless. It's not harmless. You're opening yourself up. The only way to protect yourself 
from other powers entering your life is to live on purpose, to live sold out for the kingdom of God. That's the only way. It makes sense to the mind, but the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. And you can convince yourself it's all right. You can have all the reason and the rationale around it, that it seems right, but its end is death. God, we need to wake up. We need to see a revival. And I'm believing from now to shout, there's going to be an awakening in people's hearts that the Word is going to go out, that revival is going to break out. Come on, we need to see it in our city. We need to see it in our nation. We need to see it around the world. Come on, if you believe that, come on, I want you to give God a big clap of praise. And I want you to stand to your feet. Jesus came to set people free. In fact, this was a big part of His ministry that's dismissed in a lot of places. Oh, that's just too freaky. I don't understand it. I don't want anything to do with it. But you're dismissing one third of Jesus' ministry. Reason why we run in counter courts is so people can get free. I can't in 30 odd minutes share you know, everything you need to know. In fact, that's why we do a Friday night and a Saturday. Because some of us are struggling and we don't even know why we're struggling. We keep hitting walls and we don't even know. We, we want to stop thinking of certain things, but we can't stop thinking as simply because we've opened a door, we've opened a window. And we're allowed something in to come and influence and have power over us. God says you don't need to tolerate that any longer. You can be free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on right now. If you recognize the area in your life where you may have opened a door, where you know that you're not free, and I just want you to lift your hands to Jesus right where you are. Just acknowledge it. Come on, there's an area in your life. Come on, just lift them high. We all need His freedom right now. Need His freedom in our lives. And right now, what I want you to do is I want you just to repent of where you've opened that door, where you've opened the door for the enemy to come in. And where he's got a foothold in your life. Just say, I repent, I changed my mind. Some of you have thought, oh, well, that's harmless and you've entered in and now you're in a place where you know, it's like, man, I can't get free from this. Just repent. And then I want you to renounce the power I want you to renounce. Say, God, I renounce my participation, my involvement in this behavior, in these thought patterns. I renounce their power. Come on, I renounce it. Holy Spirit, the rest of us should be praying in this place. If you're free, you know what it is to be free, and I want you to pray. Come on, there's a fight in the Spirit. It's in the Spirit. And the devil doesn't want people to get free. Because if he gets caught, he has to return sevenfold. Come on, I want some people to pray in the Spirit. Nobody can be passive right now. Come on, there's a push in the Spirit. And I want you to renounce it. And I want you to declare God's Lordship over your life. And right now, we rebuke every demonic spirit. We rebuke every demonic influence in people's lives. We say, devil, you've got no power 
and no authority. And we say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, go right now. In Jesus' name, we thank you. There's all authority. There's all power. There's victory today. Lord, in those things that have been assaulting people's lives, we say, no longer, no longer. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, for freedom. We thank you, God, for victory. We thank you, God. In you, we find everything that we need. And right now, I want you to begin to lift your voice. And I want you to begin to thank Jesus. Come on, just begin to thank Him right now. 